Chapter 56 of Mary Marston. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michael Packard. Mary Marston by George MacDonald. Chapter 56 A Catastrophe. One winter evening, as soon as his work was over for the day, Joseph locked the door of his smithy, washed himself well, put on clean clothes, and, taking his violin, set out for Testbridge. Mary was expecting him to tea. It was the afternoon of a holiday, and she had closed early. Was there ever a happier man than Joseph that night as he strode along the footpath? a day of invigorating and manly toil behind him, folded up in a sense of work accomplished, a clear sky overhead beginning to breed stars, the pale amber hope of tomorrow's sunrise low down in the west, a frosty air around him, challenging to the surface of the glow of the forge which his day's labor had stored in his body his heart and brain at rest with his father in heaven, his precious violin under his arm, before him the welcoming parlor where two sweet women waited his coming. One of them, the brightest angel in or out of heaven to him, and the prospect of a long evening of torrent music between them, who, I repeat, could have been more blessed heart and soul and body, than Joseph Jasper. His being was like an all-sided lens, concentrating all joys in the one heart of his consciousness. God only knows how blessed he could make us, if we would but let him. He pressed his violin case to his heart, as if it were a living thing that could know that he loved it. Before he reached the town, the stars were out, and the last of the sunset had faded away. Earth was gone, and heaven was all. Joseph was now a reader, and read geology and astronomy. I've got to do with them all, he said to himself, looking up. There lies the fields of my future, when this chain of gravity is unbound from my feet. Blessed am I here now, my God, and blessed shall I be there then. When he reached the suburbs, the light of homes was shining through curtains of all colors. Every nest has its own birds, said Joseph, every heart its own joys. Just then, he was in no mood to think of the sorrows, but the sorrows are sickly things and die. But the joys are strong, divine children, and shall live forevermore. When he climbed the streets, all the shops he passed were closed, except the beer shops and the chemists. The nettle in the dock, said Joseph. When he reached Mary's shop, he turned into the court to the kitchen door. Through the kitchen to the parlor, he said. Through the smithy to the presence chamber, oh my God, through the mud of me, up to thy righteousness. He was in a mood for music, was he not? One might imagine that the violin under his arm was possessed by an angel, and, ignoring his ears, 
was playing straight into his heart. Beanie let him in and took him to the parlor. Mary came halfway to meet him. The pressure as of heaven's atmosphere fell around him, calming and elevating. He stepped across the floor, still, stately, and free. He laid down his violin and seated himself where Mary told him, in her father's armchair by the fire. Gentle nothings with a down of rainbows were talked until tea was over. And then, without a word, they set to their music, Mary and Joseph, with their own hearts, and Letty to their audience. They had not gone far on the way to Fairyland, however, when Beanie called Letty from the room to speak to a friend and customer who had come from the country on a sudden necessity for something from the shop. Letty, finding herself not quite equal to the emergency, came in her turn to call Mary. She went as quietly as if she were leaving a tiresome visitor. The music was broken, and Joseph left alone with the dumb instruments. But in his hands, solitude and a violin were sure to marry in music. He began to play, forgot himself utterly, and when the customer had gone away satisfied and the ladies returned to the parlor, there he stood with his eyes closed, playing on, not knowing they were beside him. They sat down and listened in silence. Mary had not listened long before she found herself strangely moved. Her heart seemed to swell up into her throat, and it was all she could do to keep from weeping. A little longer, and she was compelled to yield and the silent tears flowed freely. Letty, too, was overcome, more than ever she had been by music. She was not so open to its influences as Mary, but her eyes were full, and she sat thinking of her Tom, far in the regions that are nonetheless true that we cannot see them. A mood had taken shape in the mind of the blacksmith, and wandered from its home, seeking another country, it is not the ghosts of evil deeds that alone take shape and go forth to wander the earth. Let but a mood be strong enough, and the soul, clothing itself in that mood as with a garment, can walk abroad and haunt the world. Thus in a garment of mood, whose color and texture was music, did the soul of Joseph Jasper that evening, like a homeless ghost, come knocking at the door of Mary Marston. It was the very being of the man, praying for admittance. Even as little Abel might have crept up to the gate from which his mother had been driven, and seeing nothing of the angel with the flaming sword, knocked and knocked, entreating to be let in, pleading that all was not right in the world in which he found himself. And there Mary saw Joseph stand, thinking himself alone with his violin, and the violin was his mediator with her, and was pleading and pleading for the admittance of its master. It prayed, it wept, it implored, it cried aloud. That eternity was very long, and like a great palace, without a quiet room. Gorgeous is the glory, it sang. 
white are the garments, and lovely are the faces of the holy. They look upon me gently and sweetly, but pitifully, for they know that I am alone, yet not alone, for I love. Oh, rather a thousandfold let me love and be alone, than be content and joyous with them all, free from this pang which tells me of a bliss yet more complete, fulfilling the gladness of heaven. All the time Joseph knew nothing of where his soul was, for he thought Mary was in the shop and beyond the hearing of his pleader. Nor was this exactly the shape the thing took to the consciousness of the musician. He seemed to himself to be standing alone in a starry and moonlit night among roses and sweet peas and apple blossoms. For the soul cares little for the seasons, and it will make its own month out of many. On the bough of an apple tree in the fair moonlight sat a nightingale swaying to and fro like one mad with the wine of his own music, singing as if he wanted to break his heart and have done for the delight was too much for mortal creature to endure, and the song of the bird grew the prayer of a man in the brain and heart of the musician, and thence burst through the open fountain of the violin, and worked what it could work in the world of forces. I love thee, I love thee, I love thee, cried the violin, and the worship was entreaty, that knew not itself. On and on it went, ever beginning ere it ended, as if it could never come to a close, and the two sat listening, as if they cared but to hear, and would hear forever, listening as if, when the sound ceased, all would be at an end, and chaos come again. Ah, do not blame thou who lovest God, and fearest the love of the human, Hast thou yet to learn that the love of the human is love, is divine, is but a lower form of the part of the love of God? When thou lovest man, or woman, or child, yea, or even dog, aright, then wilt thou no longer need that I tell thee how God and his Christ would not be content with each other alone in the glories even of the eternal original love, because they could create more love. For that more love, together they suffered, and patiently waited. He that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how shall he love God whom he hath not seen? A sob, like a bird new-born, burst from Mary's bosom. It broke the enchantment in which Joseph was bound. That enchantment had possessed him, usurping, as it were, the throne of his life and displacing it. When it ceased, he was not his own master. He started, to conscious confusion only, neither knowing where he was nor what he did. His limbs, for a moment, were hardly his own. How it happened he never could tell, but he brought down his violin with a crash against the piano, then somehow stumbled and all but fell, in the act of recovering himself, he heard the neck of his instrument part from the body with a tearing, discordant cry, like the sound of the ruin of a living world. He stood up, understanding now, holding in his hand 
is dead music and regarding it with a smile sad as the winter sunset gleaming over a grave but mary darted to him threw her arms around him laid her head on his bosom and burst into tears tenderly he laid his broken violin on the piano and like one receiving a gift straight from the hand of the godhead folded his arms around the woman enough if music itself had been blotted from the universe his violin was broken but his being was made whole his treasure taken type of his self and a woman given him instead it's just like him he murmured he was thinking of him who when a man was brought him to be delivered from a poor palsy forgave him his sins End of chapter 56 A Catastrophe Recording by Michael Packard